Very warm greetings to all in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now let us turn our Bibles again to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. We are on this particular characteristic in perilous time that Christians would be unholy. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now let's read verses 15, uh, verse from verse 15 all the way to 18 first, reading. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation, received by the tradition from your Father. Now, let us then also read verse 22 to 25, reading, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervently, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us all turn to God in prayer. Eternal God, our gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you for journey mercies to thy house. Lord, we thank you for keeping us safe through the week, and we pray now that you would be in our midst. May your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, grant to us understanding, and Lord, build convictions in our hearts. We pray especially that you would be merciful to cleanse us and wash us thoroughly of all our sins, that this gathering would be pleasing to you. Be in our midst, remove all the tiredness and cares of the day, and Lord, help us to learn from your word. Speak and help us to obey, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The key characteristic that God desires of his children, he makes it clear from the Old Testament and reiterated here again, but as he which hath called you, the Lord God who ordained your salvation, called you by irresistible call, and saved you, is holy. So, and therefore, because he is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Now, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy, is a quotation from the Old Testament. This is God's plan and aim for saving us, that we would be holy people holy people. Now, last week, we studied what is holy. We often think holy means an outward set of behaviors, outward um, actions. Do this, don't do that, don't do this, but do that, and so on. As holiness, 
how we dress, how we talk, what we, where we go to, where we do not go to. We see that as holiness. Well, in a sense, that is true, but the word means separation. The reason why you don't do certain things is because of the principle of separation. The reason why you do certain things is the separation principle also you separate onto God to obey Him, what He wants you to do. So the driving force behind all these outward behaviors is this principle. In fact, the word itself simply denotes separation. Separation. Now, God is a God that separates from any darkness, any sinful behaviors. He has nothing to do with it. Now, when we think of separation and the Christian walk, is it just simply about decorum, outward behaviors, even if driven from an inward um, um, principle of moving us away from consecrating myself fully, totally to God, is that all? It is more than that. Now, last week we learned that God says that in the end times, it will be perilous because it will be dangerous, it will be difficult. Why so? The Christian will be unholy, meaning the Christian would not separate himself. The Christians will fall into this end times problem. Feeling and seeing that separating from sinful practices and behaviors are undesirable. It's not necessary at best. Not so important. Remember, holiness means two things. Separation for what? Separation, one is separation to the purpose of God. To the purpose of God. We saw that. Separation to the purpose of God today for Christians is something that is, well, optional. After salvation, after I've been called to salvation, consecrating my life fully, totally to God is not absolutely necessary, right? Is it, no, it is, is it surprising? Because it's the development from the behavior, the very first behavior, the very first sin that was mentioned. Men will be lovers of themselves. I will love myself so much, now why would I be interested in consecrating my life to God? Because separation in itself denotes total devotion to God's purpose. Why would I want to do that? I love myself. I have my own purposes. Now, when the Christian thinks that separation is only about behaviors, it is incomplete. Because look at First Peter chapter one. Look at First Peter chapter one. Now, as much as God dealt with behaviors. Look at verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. Now, of course, this talk about our behaviors, right? Godliness, outward godliness. Then he says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy. Now, after that, God also talks about 
how we were saved. Look at verse 18. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers. Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ. Now, there is this key thing that you must remember here. Not redeemed by the tradition from your fathers. The tradition from your fathers. Holiness is not just um, about our behaviors, but it is also about our doctrines. First, God deals with doctrine. The doctrine of your salvation is not based on the tradition of your fathers. What you have always thought about how to be saved. Now then, you look further down. Verse 22. How were you saved? Seeing you have purified your souls in the obeying of the obeying the truth through the Spirit, it is obeying the truth. When God called you, yes, He who have called you, who says, "Be holy, for I am holy," He called you to salvation. Now, unless we are saved by the truth, and unless in verse twenty-two we are purified. Now, purified again talks about. Holiness. Holiness is often linked with purity. The purity is through the obeying of the truth. Then after that, onto unfeigned love. After salvation, you begin to love your brethren. Now then he moves to make it clearer to us what he means by be holy. Not just in practice, but in doctrines. How do we know that? Now look at verse um, twenty. 25, but the word of God, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. But the word of the Lord is, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. The truth is closely linked to holiness. In other words, when we think at the end times that men will be unholy, Christians will be unholy. We must not just think from the perspective of, well, we will not be, really be willing to live in total devotion to the purpose of God and total obedience to His Word in practices. But it also means that in perilous times, Christians will stop finding it undesirable, undesirable, to be separated totally to pure truth. That will be another problem. When it comes to doctrinal purity in the end times, Christians must be aware of this danger that will plague us, that can change us, influence us, and eventually become Christians who feel that Purity of truth, absolute um, accuracy of doctrine is something that is unnecessary. Is it not true today that the ecumenical movement is the organization in the background that is driving this. Men will be unholy in doctrine. Christians will be unholy in doctrine because the concept of the ecumenical movement is 
break down all the barriers that causes separation. For example, between Protestants and Roman Catholic. The ecumenical movement loves unity without truth. This will be one of the signs of the end times that is perilous. To break down barriers between cults, falsehood, and, and Christian, true Christianity. To break down the barrier between Christianity and other religions. But is it not true that majority of churches in this world are actually in the World Council of Churches as members. The World Council of Churches is basically the physical manifestation of the ecumenical movement. That is all. So when God says, in the end times, men will be unholy, Christians, churches will be unholy, is it not true? We already see it with our own eyes. Now, you must be very careful. If you're someone who, is, who has an attitude that separation from doctrinal error is not so serious, it will eventually influence you to think that separation in purity of living is also not that important. You see, when Satan is able to make you think, develop an attitude that being doctrinally pure is critical, is non-negotiable, over time, you will begin to have an attitude. Therefore, obeying God in absolute um, Carefulness in everything is also not that critical. This is how Satan attacks in the end times. Satan knows, God says, be holy, for I am holy. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. That is what will protect the Christian, will protect the church. Hence, Paul warns Timothy about unholiness. Unholy Christian, unholy church. Unholy Christian in behaviors, unholy church. Unholy Christians in doctrines, unholy church. Now, when you think that Bible versions is not that crucial, because you have to remember, ultimately, Bible versions boils down to this. Whether the underlying text of the Word of God is perfect without error. The reason why there are modern versions, and so many of them, is because they cannot agree which are the words. You have to know that. They do not believe that the pure word of God can be known. So they use all sorts of 
higher criticism, textual criticism, all sorts of criticism to try and find which are the exact words. But they still say, we, we, some are lost, we can never know. Now, why do I bring this up? Also, understand this. The attack on the perfect Bible is to create a mentality, is to create an attitude in your heart that there is no absolute perfect Word of God that we have that we can call perfect. So why fight? Now with that attitude, subconsciously you will say, if the Bible is not so perfect, then why obey? Why be so serious about obeying it? It is a culture that will begin to develop in the church. Now I've seen this in the BP movement. The churches that began to pronounce that, well, you know, um, we can never fully know, 100%. What are the exact words? Very quickly, I, I see the church change. The music changes. Why be so pedantic? Why be so critical? Why be so accurate about all these things? The music begins to change. You see the young people's dressing programs begin to change worldly. Begin to see courses that they advertise and bring in. I remember seeing these banners outside. What they began to teach began to change. You see, when God says, beware of this perilous um, outcome, if we are unholy, in doctrine means we begin to feel that it's not so crucial to stand for absolute truth. So my dear friends, when we think men will be unholy, don't just think about, well, um, it is all about outward practices, but it is a doctrinal issue that we need to be careful of as well. Now we know that the progressive Christianity is another perfect example. We studied that in detail, or at least some detail. Please go watch it if you don't know what it is about. I want to read to you about the emerging church, right? The emerging church. So, so Christianity today acknowledges that there is this emerging church. Not that it is emerging means it's, it's developing, means it, has, it is already there and it is slowly developing and changing, all right? It's emerging and emerging. The emerging church is a Christian Protestant movement of the late 20th and early 21st centuries that crosses, you see, it's about crossing, that crosses a number of theological boundaries. What is it about? You see, Christian, Christianity today and the church is no more about drawing clear lines. These are boundaries of doctrines we do not cross. We do not ever um, agree to. But it is already very clear. This movement now crosses theological boundaries. 
Now, participants are variously described. Who are in this whole emerging church movement? Protestants, post-Protestants, evangelicals, post-evangelicals, liberals, post-liberals, progressives, socially liberal, Anabaptists, reformed, charismatic, neo-charismatic, post-charismatic. And it's found throughout the globe. See, this is a study of what Christianity and Christian church is today. But please know, church is just a building, all right? It's just an organization. It's made of people. When God says it will be perilous, even when it comes to, the, when it comes to doctrines, it will be dangerous. And if the attitude of the Christian is, well, at the bottom line, separation is not good. Or at best, separation is not necessary, undesirable. You won't say that it's not good, but not so necessary. In fact, undesirable. If any of us have such thought, thinking that biblical separation, which by definition the word holy means separation, is not good. When God says be holy, God is simply saying be separate, for I am separate. Now, if you're in your heart you have begun to feel over time, we don't really need to be so serious about doctrines. And why don't we work with um, charismatic churches? I don't think that attending charismatic churches um, and worshipping with them, um, being part of them, is the evil. You have been influenced. You have embraced the emerging church mindset. So when you read be that men will, Christians will be unholy, you have to be then fearful. Lord, have I fallen into this end times characteristic as a Christian? I am unholy in doctrines. In other words, you at this point of time can be holy in your um, dressing, in your um, music, in your worship, but a mindset in your heart that doctrinal separation, accuracy, um, well, let's dabble with all sorts, of, let's read anything, accept anything. You're on a slippery slope. That's dangerous. That is why God warns. He does not bring this up for nothing. Now, parents, you have to watch your children because you do not know. You do not know what's going on in their heart. Because their clothes are purchased by you. What they're allowed to watch, go to, where they're allowed to go to, are controlled by you. So you may look at them and say they are holy. But don't fall into the mistake to think that, well, I don't need to teach them. I don't need to impress in them ingrained in them biblical separation when it comes to doctrines. You must know it is very important. Because God says, when he says, be holy for I am holy, he also, and then he described and described and he said, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. It is grounded on the word, on the word. Now, let me read further. 
the emerging church. Proponents believe that the movement transcends. See, they understand. They use the word crossing theological boundaries, means do not separate. They use words like the movement transcends. Transcends means cross over, all right? Go beyond. Transcends, the modernist labels of conservative and liberal calling the movement a conversation. Now, what do they mean? Emphasize developing decentralized nature in this vast range of standpoints. What does it mean? It means that now they, even what we think is liberal and all that, they transcend that. It's beyond that now. Because now it is a vast range of standpoints. And Christians feel that that is what Christianity should be. We should not be tied down to traditional um, conservative um, doctrines. How do we know that? Because in the study of the emerging church, now, they come to this conclusion. Now, it emphasizes and its commitment is to dialogue. Commitment to dialogue, D-I-A-L-O-G-U-E, right? Dialogue means, means having conversations. Having conversations. Now, these conversations is not to debate the truth and to fight for the truth. This dialogue is constantly about finding ways to, to transcend, to cross over to the other person's view and the other person cross over to your view. And it's basically creating a new, a new Christianity that is always shifting and, 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 and forming. That's why it's called emerging. So emerging church doesn't have an end point. It's just emerging, emerging. It's always like a big, big um, lump of wobbly jelly is is just forming all the time. Now God says, at the end times, Christians will be unholy in doctrine. Is it is it untrue? It is very present. Now, hear this further. And participants seek to live their faith in what they believe as a postmodern society. Now, this is important. Listen. What those involved in the conversation mostly agree on their disillusionment with the organized and institutional church. They are saying this, the emerging church, the Christians in it, in this movement, is a mindset, eh? so you can be an emerging church in you. It's a mindset that is very disillusioned with organized and institutional church. Means, Church is no good because it's organized. Organized in its systematic theology, organized in its, um, in its creeds, C-R-E-E-D-S, huh? not creeds, uh, creeds, organized in its creeds, organized in its um, 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 worship and all that. So it's organized. Now, if you resist, if in your heart you feel, oh, we are, it must be like freestyle, you know, um, more like the charismatic um, movement, um, worship style, or, or beliefs. So to them, their aim is this. Now, because of this attitude in them that is unholy, according to God's word, means I want to cross boundaries, I'm not going to draw lines. In fact, I, want, I am interested to hear many views. Now, if you're a Christian who, yeah, just Keep listening to our church. Keep listening to BP Presbyterian or the mainstream. 
I'm, I'm curious. I'm interested in all sorts of theology. Now, this is not my definition. This is the definition of people who are studying emerging church. They define this idea as the emerging church. All right? So you're the emerging Christian. So if you have that, you are an emerging Christian, part of the progressive Christianity. Now, but at the end of the day, what is this coming to? You see, this emerging church, this unholy attitude of not having any um, doctrinal stance, get rid of church, the aim is ultimately to dis deconstruct traditional theology, deconstruct. We studied that word, or we visited that word in progressive Christianity. Deconstruct traditional theology means take it apart. Well, what we've learned, what we've known as doctrines that we've always accepted about Christ, His work, His word, and, and church, and all sorts of doctrines, whatever doctrines in the Bible, take it and let's, let's pull it apart. And ultimately to reconstruct a new form of Christianity. This is unholiness. But reconstruct a new form of Christianity to what? Now, reconstruct a new form of Christianity that is more fitting for our times and our culture. What is it saying? The bottom line is, I want to cross over to a new form of Christianity that, is, that reflects the thinking of the times. Why does God say, in the end times, perilous times, depends on what society thinks about marriage, depends on what society thinks about um, 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 the, the church organization, gender roles. Let us deconstruct Christianity and reconstruct it to one that is in line with the thinking and practices of our current culture, our current age. That is why it's always emerging, emerging, changing, forming. So now, Christians, you must realize, at the end times, God says Christians will be unholy. It is... It includes this word that is supposed to be the word of the Lord that endureth forever. It's not supposed to endure forever. The word of the Lord is supposed to be deconstructed, not endure forever. It's to be taken apart. Now today, there is the glorification, the promotion of doubt. Now, in holiness is embracing God's truth. It's separating from all sorts of falsehood to embrace totally and be totally um, and humbly um, submitted to what God says. Right? Holiness is that. You separate whether it's what God says about practices or what God says about doctrines. But in Christianity today, this unholiness 
in many Christian thinking is there is nothing wrong with doubting, with not accepting what God says. Now, that's a big difference. Huh? I'm not saying that we can never not have doubts. Doubts as in we do not understand God's word fully because we are, we are, we are sinners, we have a finite mind, and um, sometimes we, we are fearful and we are doubtful. All right? We are not talking about that kind of weakness of faith. But now there is a promotion, a fanning even, telling Christians, now if you, if you ever doubt any doctrines about Christianity, you should embrace that doubt. The difference between a Christian who says, well, uh, there are certain things that I struggle, well, I'm spiritually weak, but I always know that what God says is always true and perfect. There's a difference between that and what is promoted today. That is, you know, if you, th you don't believe that Jesus is God, Actually, you should continue in that thought. That is what they mean when they say um, we promote doubt. Because Christianity is to be deconstructed. You're supposed to cross over to the other view as well. And then find, find what you feel comfortable with. This is what God says about the unholy attitude of Christians. Now, this Rob Bell, right? You probably heard of him. I think he's the founder of Mars Hill Church. Rob Bell, no longer a pastor, I think. Now, he's very famous, actually. Now, he has a famous saying, faith and doubt are perfect partners. Faith and doubt are perfect partners. It is completely contrary to the Word of God. Now, God tells us not to doubt, but to have faith. Faith and doubt are contrary. I'm not saying that we have perfect faith and we, we understand everything. But to them, they say, now, in fact, it is along the line of God invites men to follow Jesus. All right? So the thinking is that Christianity is like that, that what is being taught this unholy teaching is God actually invites you to follow him with all your doubts within you. God invites you to follow him, follow Jesus with all your doubts intact. Now, they're not saying that, well, God wants you to believe him. Now, learn to have faith even when you don't understand. Continue to have faith and follow Jesus. That is not what they mean, all right? What they mean is, you follow Jesus, and if you have doubt about any of the doctrines, don't bother to solve it. Let it continue to be part of your faith. I follow Jesus Christ. People say that Jesus is God, but I really doubt. I follow Jesus Christ, but people say that he, he did not resurrect from the dead. Well, I follow him, but I'm still going to keep this this unbelief, so doubt, this doubt are unbeliefs. Your unbeliefs and your belief can live side by side. This is unholiness. These two are totally separate things. You can't say they are partners. You can't, you can't say that they are perfect partners. This is crossing the line. This is blurring the line. 
This is removing the line. The line is called holiness, separation of truth and error. Some of these churches, they promote doubt night, means come to church, doubt night. Anything, write down anything. Think of anything that is, even if it's shocking, blasphemous, arrogant, never mind, just, just think that. Now, this is not teens Q&A type of thing where we ask you to bring your questions and we answer. Well, they talk, 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 talk. Yeah, you have this doubt, I have that doubt. Wow. See, we all have doubts, but we all can be Christians. That is what unholiness is today. But you say, Pastor, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. Remember, it is a mindset. A mindset. As long, or put it this way. Now, the mindset that we spoke about last week, holiness, is a total, absolute consecration. Holiness means I separate from, from the world and I'm total, I totally belong to God. That is the whole meaning of the holy utensils in the temple. They are totally for God's use at his disposal. 100% belongs to him. All right? So your purpose in life, your, um, your whatever you do, all subsumed under God's purpose. And absolute obedience to how he wants you to live. Now, that is the absolute part of your living. Then when it comes to doctrines, just like last week, if you still say, I, I actually struggle with this. I, I, I don't believe that Christians totally should be devoted to God. We have our, God, God, have, God, have, God allows us to have our um, pursuits for our own aims in life, pursue, and God wants to fulfill our aims. His aims are aligned to mine. Yeah, I can do all this, whatever. I don't have to seek God's will. I don't think it's that crucial. Now, if you have that mindset, you are unholy. Now, this week then, if you have the mindset that, you know, we don't have to be so, so um, um, pedantic about, you know, that really uh, every jot and tittle, we have it and it's perfect. We don't have to be that serious. Now, when it comes to doctrine, if you also have that idea, yeah, charismatic movement is all right. Ecumenical movement is all right. New evangelicals, they're not so bad. They're all so nice. They're all nice Christians. You know, nothing wrong with me working with them, engaging them to, in spiritual activities. Then you are also not willing not willing to be holy when it comes to doctrines. You may not denounce biblical separation totally. You may not hate it. But you are ready to have some of it, but not all of it. Not all of it. Now turn to our memory verse. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 
We have been memorizing 2 Timothy chapter 3, um, verses 1 to 2, right? By the way, um, next week for the chairman, we include verse 3, all right? Memory verse will include verse 3, so all of us start to memorize verse 3 at home as well. Now, here is where we're memorizing all this. Now, look at verse 5. Having a form of godliness but denying the power of denying the power thereof from such turn away. Turn away means biblical separation. Turn away, not engage. Now, I'm not saying you cannot talk to charismatics, you cannot talk to Roman Catholics. Please don't misunderstand. We are supposed to engage them to reach them. But your engagement with them is pure friendships and, you, and not with the intention to convert them, to change them. So biblical separation is not you don't talk to people. Now, so God says from such turn away. God is saying that in your heart and your mind, you about turn from these people. That is what it means. That is what holy means. Now, I want you then to look at verse 8. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these that resist the truth. Resist the truth. Do you resist separation? Do you still, or you still feel that actually as long as, I would say, as long as you have the attitude that there is no need to be black and white about truth, it's okay to embrace a little this, a little that. I'm talking about errors, all right? I'm not talking about um, some things which are not like eschatology, um, is it mid-trip, pre-trip kind of thing? I'm not talking about those, but talking about you feel that it's all right. These errors that they have, they believe in speaking in tongues, they believe in visions, and all, but it's, don't, don't, don't criticize them, it's all right. Don't, don't try and tell them it's wrong. Embrace their thinking. Maybe there are such things. Ah, that, is the, that, is the, that is the danger. Maybe there are such things. They resist the truth. Now, let me close with this. Look at verse 10. But thou hast known fully my... Now, Paul talks about doctrine first. Thou, thou hast known fully my doctrine. Then he talks about manner of life. Then he talks about purpose. My doctrine. I separate when it comes to these things. Because in the end times, there will be Christians that will be unholy. They will not separate when it comes to doctrinal errors. But you, Timothy, has fully known my doctrine. Now, then further down. Now, here is where, let's read verse 13 to 17 together, reading. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness, 
that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, here is the solution to all the problems, all the character, all the wrong characteristics that we've been learning so far. What is the solution? To be a Christian that's perfect, perfect means mature, all right? Sound, truly furnished unto all good works. What is the solution? Scriptures. Scriptures. Not thinking that scriptures are to be deconstructed. Scriptures can mean anything that you, that you want, that there is no absolute truth. All scripture is given by God for inspiration, for reproof, for correction, for, for doctrine, not for dialogue. Not for dialogue. If you still are a Christian who feel that, you know, I'm very interested in the views of the cults and all that. If you're interested because you want to learn so that you know how to debunk it and help people get saved, that's different. But say, I'm very curious about all this. Quite interesting. Huh? Maybe there are some truth in there that I can also bring under my, my thinking. You have fallen into this end times danger. This end times danger that I do not have an attitude of holiness when it comes to doctrine, separation. We need the next generation not only to be in decorum, in testimony, to be in practice godly. We need the next generation to be pure in doctrines. Why did Paul write all this? to the people because he warned that there will come a time and it's upon us heavily where Christians do not feel that separation in living and doctrine is that crucial. That churches like us are crying wolf. That churches like us are extreme, unloving, unkind, not wanting to work with others. Because there will be people that will think like that. Now, if you have that tendency, take it from God's word. Christians will be unholy. Means in their minds, not only will not, if they will not separate from ungodly living, they are also finding that separation of doctrines is undesirable. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we need, we need a generation that is militant, that will stand, that will be willing to die for the truth and not love self so much that they would not be interested to contend earnestly for the truth. Lord, we know that the end times upon us will breed Christians that will not care about doctrines, about fighting earnestly to make it to keep it pure. Lord, be merciful that this church will have strong generation after generation. Lord, that will be holy, not just in practices, but especially in doctrines, because that informs practices. Lord, with the emerging church all around us, help each one of us to search our own hearts that it is not within us as well. Lord, meet with us in a place of prayer. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.